Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. We've been, we've been talking about God's version of the church for quite a while, and he, he just thinks so much amazingness of the church that you, there's just so much to say. You can't encapsulate it all in, in a short time. We've been in Matthew 16, 18, and I think some of you probably are starting to get this uh, memorized by now, so I'm actually going to quiz you, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read part, and then I'll stop, and I'll either ask you to say the word or the phrase after it, or I might ask you a question, and you guys just blurt it out, all right? Matthew 16, 18, um, who, who was Jesus speaking to when he was saying this? Some of you guys have been here with us for a while, right? Who, who, do you guys know he's, who is he speaking to? Peter. Peter, all right. So he says, and I, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this... On this rock, what is the rock? Okay, the Greek is Petra, Petros, Petros, right? What does it mean? Or what's he referring to, I mean? The revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ and the Son of the living God, right? So, so he's saying on this revelation that you're having, I will build, okay, I'm, I'm almost said the things I wanted you to say. All right, on this rock, I will... I'll build my church, right? And the gates of Hades shall not shall not prevail against it. All right, you guys are with me. And then and so we, we've been talking about this now for a while because there's so many different dimensions and elements and aspects to that verse and the surrounding. But we've been focusing primarily lately on that word build. I will build my church. What is the Greek word for build? Oikodomeo, not Petros. Sorry, Jessica. <laughs> She's on her first cup. Awesome. Oikodomeo is the word. And, and then what's the Greek word for church? No. Ekklesia. All right. So, so he says, on this rock, on this, if we want to really get into it, on this Petros, I will oikodomeo. My ecclesia, right? We've been talking about all that. But we've been talking about oikodomeo, I will build my church. And, and just for the few of you who haven't been present with this during the series, um, the word oikodomeo, when he says, I will build my church, that word oikodomeo means to build. It means to build up or to strengthen. And, and it comes from two root words in Greek, oikos and doma, oikodomeo comes from oikos and doma. Doma means roof, okay? It means a roof. And oikos means house or household or family. So oikos is, is house, it's the structure, but even more importantly, it's the family that lives in the home, right? So it's the home and the family, all right? So, so when it says oikodomeo, he says, I will build my church I'm going to oikodomeo, my church. I'm going to build a house with a roof covering for my family. I'm building my family and a shelter around my family. And this is my church. All right? You guys with me? 
oikodomeo. That's the word we've been on, all right? And, and so another verse that we're going to dive into right now is 1 Timothy 3.15. Paul was writing to Timothy, and in the, in the first part of chapter 3, he was teaching about how to, how to establish leadership in the church, in the ecclesia, and how to, how to um, qualify them. And right from there, he goes into verse 15. He says, I write so that you may know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So he's, he's saying, I'm, I'm writing to you, I'm training you how to conduct yourself in the house of God. And he literally in this passage qualifies the house of God as his church, okay? So this, this passage is teaching us that God views his church as his house. And that word house in the Greek is oikos. So it's not just talking about the structure. It's not just talking about the building of a house. It's talking about the household. It's talking about family, okay? So, so Timothy, or sorry, Paul's teaching Timothy. He's not teaching uh, where he says, I want, I want you to know how to conduct yourself when you go to church services, all right? He's not saying how to, this is how you conduct yourself when you go to the, the meeting. He's saying, I, I want you to learn how to conduct yourself as God's family together, which is his church. So it's far, it's far more important than, you know, what clothes you wear, how you act, or what things you say or don't say, or which things you should be going to, and how much should you be going, and all that. It, it, he's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about how do you literally learn how to do family together as his church, oikos. We good? Did I get you dreaming about Cool Whip and pumpkin pie? Too much. All right. So, so we one of our core values here is, is called is called creating healthy family. And so we're we're not just trying to do church. We're trying to build a family. We have a lot of vision. We 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 love the presence of God, and that's first and foremost in all things. But uh, and we want to see revival, and, and we want to be God's agents of revival. But but it has to come from being a healthy family together. Amen? And so we're, we're trying to become a family um, that has a culture that meets these needs. And I, I ran through these last week, but I'm gonna, I want to say them again because I think it needs to be heard over and over and over, right? Uh, we we want to be a people who does really good um, where, we, where we aim to know and to be known with one another, all right? Aim to, be no, to know one another and to be known by one another, not, not just your name, but literally knowing your heart, right? To celebrate and to be celebrated, okay? To champion one another. To call one another higher in the Lord. To declare one another's identity and affirm one another's significance, okay? To challenge one another. To own one another's breakthroughs. I want to say that again. We, we need to own other people's breakthroughs because we, we go after our own. But the Lord wants us to learn how to go beyond just ourselves. I want to take ownership of your breakthrough. Come on, guys. To pray for one another and to lift one another up and to hold one another accountable. 
How many of you guys would agree with me that accountability is very important? Often people want accountability for other people. (laughs) And those other people need it. But no more than you need it. All right? So we all need accountability. And, and often we can, we, can, we can have the concept that accountability means I need somebody in my life who, who I can go to when I screw up and they can hold me accountable. And guess what? That is definitely an important part of accountability. But it's not, the, it's not actually the most important part of, of accountability. Accountability should be where we are giving account for our abilities. Okay? So the Lord has given us all abilities to live fully for Him, and, and most people are, are probably not living at their highest level of who they are, and so we want people in our lives that, that can hold us accountable to rise up to the abilities that God's given to us. So, so it's actually, yes, it, it, accountability is to help us if we sin or fail in some way that they can help us to repent and recover and, and be healed and restored, that's important and it needs to happen. But more importantly, we need people in our lives that can hold us accountable to, to be everything that Christ believes that we are. That, that we look at each other and we, can, and we can have the permission in one another's life even that can say, this way that you just experience things or the way that you're behaving, it, it, that's actually, you're, you're actually better than that. Right. Not out of a critical nature, but out of a, I want to call you higher because I know you're greater than this nature. Does that make sense? So that's accountability. And, and guess what? I need it too. I need it too. We all need it. <clears throat> there, there's been times in my life uh, when I was impacted by community that I wanted to share with you. And last week, I thought I was going to get through all this stuff, but you know how that goes. So that was part one. Today's part two. And, but last week, I, I shared with you guys about how when I was a teenager, my youth group surrounded me, and they, they loved on me when I felt rejected by everybody else in my school system, and that, that they lifted me up. And that example was an example when other people's help make this happen for me, where community brings health, okay? That was where other people took ownership to help surround me and be a support to me, and it changed my life. Okay, that's awesome when, when there's other people that can do that. But how many of you guys know this, that sometimes if you, if you want to get the things that God has for you, it's up to you to make it happen, because I think a lot of times people are waiting for everybody else to do this for us. And the Lord's like, well, you're responsible for your life. Okay? Now, there are times when, when people are, are victims of the situation and people need to see that and surround and embrace them. But, but the Lord wants to call us higher to help us to realize, I, I need to take ownership of this. All right? So, um, in 2001... I moved away from Indiana down to Nashville, Tennessee. I was 25 years old. And I had, I had a cousin and some friends that were down there in the, in the Christian music industry. They were rock and rollers for Jesus. <laughs> and it was awesome. And they were, they were signed with a, a record label. 
And so they had albums. Every year they put out albums and they would go on tours. And, and I don't know if anybody in here has ever heard of my cousin's band. It's called Bleach, but they used to play them on the radio. And, and so maybe you've heard of a band called Skillet. Anybody ever heard of Skillet? Skillet and Bleach came out the exact same time, and so they were kind of like friend bands. And so in, in the summer, the fall of 2000, I actually got to go on a coast-to-coast tour with my cousin's band Bleach and Skillet. And that was awesome. It was an amazing and horrible trip <laughs> in so many ways. And <laughs> I could tell you all kinds of stories on that. But, but anyway... I started getting to know a lot of people in the in the Christian music scene and rock and roll and all that kind of stuff, and it was pretty cool, and and I had the hair to prove it and everything, and so it was awesome, and and so in two, in the March of 2001, I ended up moving to Tennessee, and uh, and my community that was already down there was that scene, and so I was hanging out with those guys, and it was fun. I don't know if you would believe this or not. But um, not everybody in the Christian music scene is the best representation of Jesus Christ, okay? I know that firsthand, all right? It, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff in, in the culture of that. But I was hanging out with um, the Christian music scene for a long time, and, and then just the music scene, Christian or not. And, and it was cool, but... Um, after a period of time, I started noticing that my fruit levels were going sour and, and not good, all right? It's kind of rotten, actually. My fruit, my fruit is starting to rot on the branches after a while. <clears throat> um, you, guys, you guys know this verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, but it says, do not, be, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character, all right? So, like, the more you hang around the wrong people, it actually is going to impact you. And there's another verse that is really, that's always been important to me since I was a, a teenager. Proverbs 13.20, it says, He who walks with the wise will be wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Okay? You guys hear that? Basically, who you hang out with is going to really impact who you're going to be. And so... I'm not saying all the people I was hanging out with was bad, but all I know is that the, the, the worst in me was what was coming out. And so I realized something needed to change. There's also this, this author named Tim Ferriss, if anybody's ever heard that name. And he says, you are the average of the five people you most associate with. So that's something that we should take inventory on, huh? Who am I hanging out with? Because that's going to really impact how you're going to be living your life, all right? So anyway, I was in this season where the Lord was convicting me because I, was, I wasn't like full-blown bo- full backslidden, but I just knew to, that my heart was, it needed an adjustment, and it needed a new crowd. And so I knew I needed to find a new church community to dive into, and that I could, that I could surround myself with healthy uh, people that are going to help stimulate my spiritual growth. And in that season... I had, I had learned that if you're, if you're looking for a new church, it's wise to try to visit a place for three times so you can get a more, a more full example or a more full experience of what that place is actually like. Because the first time you show up, you might think, oh, this is it. 
and then you go again, it's like, oh, God did something completely different then. I don't know if I can handle that. Or maybe, yeah, that validated it even more. But they said three times, give it a try before you make a decision. So I, I went and I visited this church that I'd heard about called New Song. Um, it's a four-square church, and how many people would you say probably went there at that time? Was it up to 2,000? or It's probably 1,200 or so maybe. You don't know. It might have been around 1,200. I don't remember. But <clears throat> it was a couple of people bigger than this church. I, I know that. <laughs> and... Anyway, I went there and there was flags of every nation hanging from the ceiling and I thought that was incredible because I had a heart for missions and stuff. And I thought that was cool. And I went and I visited. I liked the worship. I liked the message. It looked like it was cool people and stuff. But, um, but nobody ever came to introduce themselves to me. And, and, so, and, and I thought, okay, I, I get it. And I'll come, I'm going to try it again. And so I came back the next week, loved the service, thought all of it was amazing, but nobody came and greeted me. Like, that was kind of weird. I'm a, I'm a visitor. Nobody came and greeted me. And I was like, that feels weird, and it's not quite what I'm looking for, but I felt like I needed to give it one more try because I really liked all the other as- aspects of it. So I went a third week in a row, and again, nobody came and greeted me. And I'm like, come on, this is weird. Is this my people or not? And, and I, my mind was thinking, well, I gave it three tries. Nobody came to greet me. I don't know if I'm going to try a, th- a fourth time or if I, I got the next church on my list, I'm going to give it a shot next week maybe. But the Holy Spirit said, Jesse, why are you waiting for somebody else to come greet you? Why don't you do something with it? And I'm like... But that's, this is their church. I'm, the, I'm just a visitor. And he's like, but I'm Jesus. <laughs> and, and so I didn't know what to do, but the best I could come up with was I went up front after the service to the prayer line. Not to receive, they're like, what can I pray for you for? And I was like, oh, I don't need prayer. I just wanted to visit and meet somebody, and nobody came up to meet me, so I thought I'd at least find you guys to come and meet. And they're like, whoa, I'm so sorry that nobody came and greeted you. And we started connecting and stuff, and they were awesome. It was the Zapatas. And so, uh, and, they, and they told me about a young adults ministry that they have on Friday nights called Exclaim. And I also knew that there's a missions conference coming up that same weekend. So the next Friday, the missions conference was going to be kicked off at Exclaim and then go through the weekend. I'm like, cool, man. Now I met somebody. I'm coming back. And I came back on, on that next Friday and didn't know hardly anybody. I found them, and I sat at a table awkwardly because I didn't know people. And there's this other dude sitting there named Chris, and I started meeting him and stuff, and that was pretty cool. Um, and we kind of we started kicking it off and everything. But I, I actually could have left that church after the third time and nobody came up to me. I could have left it and justified it. Nobody would have ever known anything different. I could have gone on the next one on my list, and everybody would, who I would have talked to would have said, that's, that's great. I'm glad you're looking for churches. But the Lord said, why don't you press into this? So I could have reasoned and justified why I need to go to the next thing, but how many of you guys think it's better for us to rely on our own reasoning instead of what Jesus says? 
Cool. Good. You guys are my people. That's awesome. All right, I could have easily left and justified it. Nobody would have known. Nobody would have cared. But God told me to press into the people. And I want to just say this, that we all need to take ownership of what God needs us to do instead of expecting other people to take responsibility for what I'm supposed to. You guys hearing me? Like, like we, can, we can tend to think other people should be the one doing it, and God's like, no, this is you. All right? You guys with me on that? So at that missions conference, I was sitting at a table, and I met Chris Skaggs, who is a dude from New Zealand, and he looked kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was pretty cool. Um, and we, we hit it off and started connecting and stuff, and um, we, we just started realizing really quickly, man, there's a kindred connection with this dude. And we, we actually pretty quickly became like a David and Jonathan type relationship where, where we, were, we knew that we can grow from each other and challenge each other, pour into each other, and we, we could confess to one another. We could hold each other accountable. We could call each other higher. We, could, we, we walked through hardships and challenges together. And, and we helped each other stay the course with Jesus and God's calling in the kingdom. We, we actually need other people in our lives to be strong. Amen? Come on. And, and in that season at the church, um, that, move, that series called Band of Brothers was brand new on HBO about the, 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 the men in arms, like in, in the World War II, how they... They band together and they helped cover each other and all that. So that became a real theme throughout the, a lot of the body of Christ actually, but there's this phrase called covenant comrades. It's where, it's where you find the people that God wants to put in your life and you, you start knitting your hearts together and, and you look out for one another and you grow in one another. And man, that was powerful. Chris became a covenant con- comrade. And I was a pretty, I, was, I would consider myself to be a pretty humble gentleman in all ways. And I'm just joking about that. But um, my, when I would be hanging out with Chris, um, he, you know, he's, he's from New Zealand. They, they're called Kiwis in New Zealand. But I would introduce him to other people and say, hey, this is my buddy Chris, and he's an Aussie. Because Kiwis and Aussies really love to get each other mixed up, right? They hate that so much. But I would add other slang words in there that I could not say to you because it would be inappropriate, but, but fit with Australian culture. He hated it, and so he would always turn it back, and he'd be like, Hi, my name's Jesse, and I'm a redneck from Indiana that drives a Japanese pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that so many times. It's so funny. But we just had an awesome relationship. And, but, but here's the thing, like I exclaimed, it was a Friday night ministry, and there, there's just a bunch of young adults there, and it was so awesome, but I, I started pressing into that community, and I felt so awkward. I was out of place. I was the, the redneck from Indiana, and they're like this cool, we're in Franklin, Tennessee, like the coolest place in Central, uh, Central America, not Central America, the South. <laughs> I was trying to say like the, uh, I'm wasting my time here. You know what I'm saying. 
It's like the coolest area. So like the coolest cultures, and then you got people who love Jesus, and they're cool too. And I was in the rock and roll scene. That was kind of cool. And I'm trying to find my way connecting with these people, and, and I stuck out like a sore thumb. And people looked at me like I was just a weird dude. And I just kept showing up because Jesus said, you got to take initiative. Where, where I felt awkward, I felt like people didn't want to be around me and stuff. Jesus was like, you take initiative. And I kept showing up. And I kept showing up to the prayer times. I kept worshiping Jesus with all my heart. And I kept trying to connect with people until I finally started getting breakthroughs because people started seeing who I am and they started loving me. It was awesome. But it took a lot of work. And, and I remember one of the first things that happened when, when I was there, they had a, a costume party, like a, like a costume contest at Exclaim. And everybody else is dressing up, you know, like princesses and, and Backstreet Boys or whatever. Whatever the thing that was cool for those people back then, I came and I dressed up in this black curly-haired wig, white tight shirt, and a, and a, a jean jacket that was cut off to make it like a vest. Whole, like jeans with holes in them and these cowboy boots, huge belt buckle. And, and I was like, I, I was like from Led Zeppelin or something. And people were like, that dude is weird. But little did they know I was going to win the talent show contest. <laughs> Whatever it was, the costume contest. They thought, and then, uh, and then after that, Jessica fell in love with me and the rest is history. <laughs> so that was awesome. But I felt out of place, but my point is the Lord kept telling me, just keep pressing in, keep pressing in. I, I, had, to, I had to determine I'm going to find confidence in me and in Jesus despite how I feel about other people. Keep showing up, keep showing up, keep trying to get to know people and stuff. And eventually the, the cultural whatever it was that, that made it awkward, it broke. And, and all of a sudden I started feeling People were accepting me, and people were receiving me, and people started loving me. And, and when they started seeing that I was fully devoted to Jesus and passionate and carried his presence, people started looking up to me. And I started, like, building trust with my leaders and stuff, and they started giving me favor, and, I, and they started giving me positions of influence and stuff around there. And, and it got to where I became, you know, I'm not saying this to be boastful. It's a testimony to the Lord, but got pretty, a lot of influence in that whole church. Like, and people, I loved being with them, and they loved being with me, and it was awesome. And I'm not saying everything is perfect. We worked through the imperfect. But it, but it was a breakthrough that I had to press into. You guys, you guys hearing what I'm saying? And so it takes courage. It takes tenacity. It takes, it takes uh, being willing to show up and, and be present and press in. And uh, you guys may or may not believe this, but I actually used to be a shy dude. <laughs> I used to be shy, and it was hard for me to, to talk to people or open up or confront or look weird and stuff. And I would usually try to I'd be a wallflower, and I'd try to stay out of that or whatever. But, but the Lord has had to work that in me that I'm not going to see the breakthroughs I need if I stay hidden behind my fear of man. Okay? And so I, I, had to, I had to start stepping out of that and start trusting that God's going to honor me breaking out of the fear that, that gave me shyness. Okay? 
And, and what it did was it would, it would break through relationship barriers and help me to get connected to people's hearts. And it would also help me to be able to bring the gospel boldly to people. The fear of man holds people back so much from the things that God wants to do, and he's wanting to try to build an incredible thing. Amen? All right, so um, it'd be as, much, as awkward as it started out being, it actually was completely worth it, and it just really paid off. Uh, and I, I made a bunch of other friends, and it was awesome too. And, and just deep, not, not just surface friendships, not just fun, but like we had fun, but we pressed into one another, and we took ownership in helping each other be spurred on in the ways of the Lord and spurred on in spiritual growth and in callings to see heaven come to earth. And it, and it was such a, the community, like it was an incredible community because it spurred on other people to break through the fear of man. It spurred other people on to reach out and cover one another, to, to build one another up. It was amazing to see an incredible community that got created there. It was powerful because we built one another up in the Lord. It was powerful because we covered one another and we'd strengthen one another. It's powerful because we, uh, passion, we, were a, we were a community that passionately loved and worshiped Jesus, not solo, together. And we made each other stronger. Come on. And so... That is oikos, family, household of God. That's oikos. When, when we don't just try to do our own thing for Jesus or for self, but it's that we invest ourselves into one another so that we give Jesus the better version of things where it's a communal thing. It's, an, it's a unified expression to the Lord. And honestly, there's a lot of selfish people in, in Christianity who are just trying to do, I want to do my thing. I want to find my dream to come true. I, I want to I get my breakthrough. And if that's all we ever focus on, I'm sorry to say it, that's selfish. And Jesus actually called us to die to ourselves and to lay our lives down to one another. He said the world are going to know you're my disciples by how you love one another. And Jesus said, no greater love than this is that, that you would be somebody who could lay your life down for your friends. Amen? Amen. Like this is, Jesus is serious about this stuff. But that kind of community where, where, where it's, there's a, a commitment to be vested in one another, that's oikos. And that's what the Bible calls, when the Bible uses the word fellowship it's not just like the the third word on the church's name like or like like I, I grew up in a church called Christ fellowship that's awesome but fellowship is a powerful word in the Greek it's koinonia and that, and that word koinonia doesn't mean just being around each other or even just having a surfacey conversation with one another or or just playing a board game together. Like, those are great, but koinonia is where, where you're really pressing into each other and you're, you're going past the surface, connecting at a heart level to where you, you get to where you start knowing one another after the Spirit. 
That's koinonia, like partaking of each other. In, in Acts 2, it talks about how they go from house to house and they would break bread and they would have fellowship with one another. And you could look at fellowship in, that, in the context of koinonia, like in the physical, you're breaking bread and eating, but in the spirit, uh, uh, we're breaking the bread of who I am and sharing it with one another and taking it into ourselves. You, you guys see in the picture? There, there's, there's the kingdom of God. Like when we go to heaven, I don't think you're going to see a lot of surface level friendships up there. And that's what God's trying to do here. Amen? Koinonia, oikos. There's no place for masks and superficial relationships. And, and I want to tell you this. This, honestly, is the only way that I really know how to do community. It, it's the only way I know how to do it. Doesn't mean that it just happens instantly, but if that kind of community is not where it ends up, I don't know what we're doing. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, like when I think of community, the, I'm thinking of oikos, in, like laying life down and building heart-connected, knitted heart, camaraderie. We're in the trenches together kind of relationships. And I believe that's normal kingdom lifestyle. I, I believe in the kingdom not having that is what's not normal. It's unnatural and it's awkward for a lot of people. Probably people who have heard part of this series and aren't here anymore even. Like it, it just, some people, it, I, it just, it's, it's uncomfortable to think about being called higher and how to, that, that I need to expose my heart and, and let you expose yours to me and us get in there and actually commit to loving each other unconditionally and seeing the junk too. And still determined to love unconditionally, no matter what. It freaks people out. Makes people afraid that, to really be known or to know. Okay? Afraid, afraid that maybe they won't actually be loved if they're seen in there. Now, I'm not saying this stuff comes quick. And I'm not saying that everybody should be at a deep level on this. I'm saying that should be the goal. Hallelujah. I honestly never really know what's going on in people's minds and hearts out there. And I'm like, Gwen keeps telling me the word will never return void. That's the biggest encouragement I can ever get. People, people who believe and are, they're afraid to be known because they're afraid that they won't be loved if they're known. We need to prove those people wrong. <laughs> Some people are afraid of the work it takes. Guess what? <laughs> You're a disciple of Jesus. You actually died. So <laughs> if it's uncomfortable, that's, you, we have no right for that to stop us with anything that Jesus calls us to do. <laughs> Let me remind you that you chose to die for Jesus. All right? 
And I, I have to get reminded of this too sometimes. But Jesus never gave us the option to do shallow relationships due to fears. <laughs> okay, thanks, Gwen. I will. <laughs> Jesus never gave us the option to do shallow relationships due to fears. <laughs> Many people cope with their lives by hiding. Let me see what I'm saying here. I'm not following my train of thought. Many people cope with their lives by hiding when, it, when getting it in the light of Christ and his community is where the power actually is. A lot, a lot of people are jipping themselves out of their breakthrough because they're, they're withholding themselves from the very thing that God needs to make that breakthrough happen, getting it in the light with Jesus and with one another. I've seen so many people get set free from pornography addictions and different things people things people struggled with it's not always pornography by and the and the most freeing step that it took was just getting it out in the light with somebody they can trust with me and that in those cases like like actually trusting to divulge something that they were afraid for anybody to know because if they know this they might not love me if they know this, they're going to think lower of me or whatever. I don't want people to know me because they might not like the real me in there. And Jesus is like, that thing that you're afraid of actually is not even who you really are. Don't you want to let that thing go so you can get down to the pure form of who you are? And, and so, you know, it says, in, it says in 1 John 1, 7, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another there's that word koinonia, exposing and loving and interacting and investing and being invested into and sharing the, the spirit and the heart with one another, knitting hearts together. Koinonia, fellowship, all right? We, if we walk in the light, he is in the life. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so the breakthrough that comes by the power of the blood of Jesus showing up to break bondages, it actually, according to this, it needs that stuff to get in the light and expose instead of being hidden in darkness where nobody can see it. That's the place where the blood of Jesus shows up and sets the captives free. And people are so afraid of what somebody else is going to think that they're actually staying in a prison instead of getting free. Like, real, like worst case scenario, that person might judge you. But, but best case scenario, even if they did, Jesus just came to set you free. Was it worth it? <laughs> Come on. I've had to learn this stuff the hard way. I got set free from pornography addiction but when I chose to bring it into light with a leader in my life. Where? At New Song. Back in 2003. I remember it. I was afraid. I didn't want people to see it because I, I didn't, I thought, I was ashamed of it and I was afraid that somebody's going to think less of me. Little did I know that most of the other guys were dealing with their stuff too. How, how could they say something if they got a struggle? But that, it's not really what matters. But what mattered was I opened it up to, to one of the pastors there and guess what he did? 
He loved me unconditionally and said, that's not who you are. And he prayed, I confessed, and the, and the presence of God came and it set me free. And I haven't had a pornography addiction ever since. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, that's a big deal. Struggled with that thing for years. I, I, I tried to get over it on my own because I didn't want other people to know. Didn't work. There's something about this. There's, there's something about Jesus literally requiring us to get ourselves connected with other believers who are going to love one another unconditionally in the light, in fellowship, koinonia. Guess what? It covers one another and it actually sets us free. Jesus designed you on purpose to need other people in your life. And when people think that we can do it on our own, you're basically saying, God, I know me better than you do. You designed me. It's like, I don't want to know how you designed me. I'm going to choose to, <clears throat> to do me how I want to do it. But Jesus designed you to need one another. <laughs> me too. It's a big deal. And that's why so many Christians are walking around still struggling with the same patterns over and over and over and over, over and over, and, and feeling alone, feeling depressed, or feeling whatever it is, and, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe like pursuing callings and getting so far, but there's actually so much more that God wants to do, but people are isolated and trying to do it on their own. God never called you to do it that way. Do you agree with me, Matt? Come on, man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's a lot I could say, but I'm seeing a part three coming. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mark my thing here so I know where I'm picking up. Yeah, I, I, I just want us to know this, guys, like, <clears throat> Jesus designed you to need other people to bring covering and support and strength to you. When, when, when we have people who are just trying to do this thing on our own, we're actually trying to be lone rangers, and that's not how the kingdom works. He's called us to be a family. He's called us to be oikos. He literally, in his scriptures, said that his church is his family. Not Christians who aren't in his church. People who, it's the church. And I'm not saying that people aren't part of the family, but what I'm saying is if, if people are not knitted in with the family of God, and I'm talking about the church, I'm not saying they're not part of the family. I'm saying that that's actually prodigal living, even if they think they're doing good with Jesus. Because Jesus called, he's calling all his saints to be family people. And there's graces that he puts on the family that you can't have outside of it. That, that passage out of Matthew 16, where he says, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And you, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. That's dynamic and powerful, mighty and awesome and victorious. But it's the church. Amen. 
It's the church. It's the family. That's how he does it. And so, you know, I can throw this one at you real quick, real quick too. Throw darts. Catch them. These are not fiery darts from the enemy, all right? These are truth darts. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, we love that, that chapter because that's what teaches us about prophecy, right? Actually, chapter 12 is the one that talks about all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 13 talks about love. 14 talks about prophecy. And love is central to the whole thing. And in chapter 13, when it talks about the love, and it says, it says we prophesy in part and we know in part. Right? Does it say that? If you, if you don't know the answer, go read it. It's there. But when it, it says, we, it says we, we know in part, we prophesy in part, maybe one of these days I'll break this down more, but it, it literally means that God has intentionally only given you part. Like he actually did that on purpose. It's not because he's trying to give you just a little bit, oh, and you can't have the more. No, because the context of that whole passage comes from the, the passage in 12, talks about the body of Christ and all the parts. Parts. Parts of the body, right? And then he says, you know in part and you prophesy in part. Like he intentionally did not give you the whole thing in and of yourself. Why? Because he wants us to have to need one another to cover the rest of what we're missing. So the in part thing, like he's not going to give you the full download of all truth of the kingdom because he needs you to need somebody else to bring what they have so that together we fill the whole thing out because we, where our gaps are, one another's got to cover us and I've got to cover someone else. So together we have the whole. Hallelujah. I just gave you a free golden nugget right there. Maybe we'll dive into that part sometime in the near future. We'll see. But I, I just want you guys to see this. Like God literally crafted all of us to be deficient without the other people. Therefore, if we are not responsible to press into one another, we will never be able to have the connection that God has designed for us to have because it's for the whole coming together to get the whole of what he has for us. Why are we not seeing the kingdom like we need to? Because we're so divided. Because we've been so trained to, to, to be living a, you know, it's the, it's the American dream, and so then it's the kingdom dream. I want what God has for me. I want my thing. I want my calling. I want my dream. I need my breakthrough. God's like, yes, you do. Yes, I want that for you. You're never going to get it as a Lone Ranger. It's not all about you. You, you, you. you chose to die for me. You chose to lay your life down to one another by saying yes to me. We've got to be vested. We've got we to put our efforts into this. You guys seeing this? The, the Lord's calling us to new places. And like I, I just really, there, there's so many people who are trying to train modern Christianity to think that the church 
is really not the most, it's not so important anymore. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? I am the one who builds this thing, and that's who I'm coming back for. My bride, my body, my church. And so it's never going to not be essential. It's absolutely essential, but we've just done it wrong because we've had the wrong idea of what it is, and it's trying to hone us into truth so we can step into the fullness of all things that God has for us. So we'll see heaven come, and we will administrate his kingdom in ways we've never seen before in all of history. But isolation is, the, is one of the biggest um, stoppers of everything that God's trying to do. Why don't you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray for you. I, I, I believe that God just is going to continue like deepening our understanding so that he can call us into commitments to him, to one another, in ways that we don't know yet. And I want to tell you that it comes with sacrifice. You can't do this without sacrifice. All right? Sacrifice means something might have pain when you do it. But let me say this, that Jesus never calls on us to do something that he doesn't give divine grace for to bring blessing and supernatural ability beyond what you can do on your own to make you be able to do it way better than you could have tried by striving. So the, there's actually blessing withheld until we obey. And when we obey in faith, the kingdom starts showing up in ways that you couldn't see before. So, Lord, I, I pray for everybody right now, in the name of Jesus, that you'll just begin, like, just continuing, deepening understanding. Lord, I, I ask you even to just release those angels right now that, uh, that open eyes, open minds for revelation and understanding. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, drop things in people's spirits right now. I ask you to convict where you need to convict. I ask you to call higher where you need to call higher. I ask you to show everybody how weak, I'll say I, I'll say you, how, how we need to take greater ownership of the breakthrough you're trying to bring to the body. Lord, you, you do want to bring heaven to earth through us. And often our, we're, the, we're the reason why it hasn't happened not yet, not you. Help us, Lord God, to fully align with the way you're wanting to do things. And I pray right now even as people are shifting their hearts to, to what you're calling them to, Lord, let people tangibly experience just your presence coming on them stronger. Tangibly experience heaven manifesting in their lives in a greater way. Because I, I know you're excited to do that. I ask you to bless each person right now. In the name of Jesus.